This podcast was produced in association with FunEmploymentRadio.com. Good morning, nerds, geeks, and gamers, and welcome back to the Well-Adjusted Gamer Podcast. Today is currently October 9th, and this week we're diving headfirst into a great conversation I had the other day with a fellow named Daniel Choate. He is a fellow sim racing gamer, a full-stack developer, dad, and benchtop tinkerer of the highest order. I found Dan via a tweet from the Dirt4 Twitter account that was showing off his latest creation, a tabletop carcade with the itty-bitty wheel and throttle running Dirt Rally. Uh-huh. It's an awesome and extremely well-made little fun box and just shows the kind of crazy things a person can create with a little computer savvy and a 3D printer just laying around, you know. We also talk about some of Dan's other neat projects and particularly his crazy motion simulating racing seat. You can find out more about Dan and his projects at projectable.me and on Twitter using at dchote. That's at D-C-H-O-T-E. As usual, thank you for subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show on iTunes, as well as following the show on Facebook and Twitter using at WAGPodcast. Also, don't forget to send your Halloween horror stories and questions or suggestions to WAGPodcastPDX at gmail.com. Finally, a little side note. We had a butt-ton of issues with Skype, of course, So there were a lot of edits, just in case anything sounds stunted or out of context while you're listening. You're not going insane. But I may be. Another settlement has sent word that they need our help. This is... Der Gut Eingestellte Gamer Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. This is Jason Chevron Chops, and today I'm joined by Daniel Choate. Say hello, Dan. <laughs> hey, everybody. Thanks for coming on. And I I mean, we've already been chatting a little bit, but man, this is going to be a great conversation about everything you've been working on. Like I said, the, the things that we have in common and future projects, past projects, just so much to talk about. But let's start with a little bit about Dan himself. Something I believe I saw digging through your stuff You've lived in now three ex-British colonies, so <laughs> you've, you've, you're quite the world traveler, so I'd, I'd love to know like how you got through all that, and if you're planning on staying, what's the next step? Like, Where do we start? <laughs> well, yeah, I was born in Hastings, New Zealand. Um, most of my childhood and early, you know, well, basically throughout my teen years, I was, I was in New Zealand doing the growing up thing as you do mm-hmm. um i i was offered uh, the possibility to work with somebody in the states um he, he called in the middle of the night because time zones don't exist to people <laughs> right um and and i basically long story short i ended up here um met a woman fell in love got married have kids awesome um, so now it's 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 sort of awesome you know um New Zealand is, is, and as I keep, I sort of tell everybody, New Zealand's a great place for a vacation. 
Right. <laughs> but but <laughs> if you're if you're a real tech head, it, there's a lot of limitations uh, in New Zealand. I mean, this, things have changed in the last you know ten years or so. Oh yeah. But um, technology is heavily taxed there, so it's oh. it's very hard for people to really get into into these professions mm-hmm. um, without having a huge overhead. Right. Well, yeah, because I mean, um, here in America, there's tax breaks for technology and creative arts. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, and and it's really easy to hear to to start a company with an idea. You know, it may oh, or yeah. may not be successful, mm-hmm. but it's really easy to start. Um, and that's sort of the thing. It's like now I'm living here in Pennsylvania. Um, uh, my wife is a you know a college professor, Ooh. <laughs> and. <laughs> You know, we 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 we're doing pretty well, right? Um, yeah, it's it's just it's it's nice to be you know be able to to do these things, have these ideas, and be able to execute. Absolutely, and yourself, you're I, what was it a front end developer or what? What do you do? You're some kind of computer technology, yeah. right? Yeah, I'm a full I'm a full stack developer and systems administrator. Oh, so. Boy. Any sort of network design for, you know, server deployments or security auditing or anything, really. Oh, boy. Uh, So far beyond anything I've ever even dreamed of dabbling in or getting involved in. Like, programming is just completely beyond me, but I know uh, so many people. I mean, that's, that's the heart of this podcast is is getting to pick that side of the the brain spectrum too that <laughs> trying mm-hmm. to get the insight and to understand like cuz the like the projects that you've worked on obviously like take a lot of that type of skill where I'm I'm crafty and I, I like to dabble I would get as far as building the case and coming up with the idea for something but that'd be about it like <laughs> once it gets to actually programming a computer to do anything for me besides installing windows and games and playing like I can, I can find the newest drivers and I could put a PC together and that's probably about it. If anything goes wrong, I'm calling somebody. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of cool. You know, I, I pride myself in being like, what do I need to solve this problem? Mm-hmm. And if I, if it's something I need to learn, I'll just learn it. Not a big deal. Right. Um, and it's good to sort of keep attaching things to utility belts so you don't get stale. Right. Um, as my friend sort of says, it's really important to not become crusty. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that, that is, that's a, one of those hidden life skills that nobody really talks about, but I mean, the, the tinkerer gene, the, the ability to, I don't know, when you're presented with a situation, like something breaks, you, you, you broke your Game Boy, say, like I did when I was a kid. Well, first thing is tear it apart, figure out what happened and then see if you can fix it and then find out you can't and understand why and know for next time, just that little bit extra. And just, I feel like that has, can carry people through, has carried me through, has carried you through life. Like so far that, like I said, it's not something you could teach. I I really feel like that's something you're either born with or not. Like, Mm Mm-hmm. And and the thing is, and and a lot of pe- a lot of my friends here, um, the they have ideas, they really want to execute, but they think it's beyond them. Mm. And now with this sort of push for for maker spaces and this push for you know Arduino and Raspberry Pi and all yeah. of these things, you know these are things that people, yeah, they may not have 
the initial uh, you know skills to be able to do it. But there's a lot of community out there mm-hmm. that just want to help you learn to get on that same page, and that's that's the great thing. You know, the this uh, Carcade project that's using uh, the the controller interface for it was built for a Raspberry Pi project. Um, mm-hmm. This company Pimeroni, they they have built their entire organization around building things for makers based around the Raspberry Pi, and they're doing very well. Um, so we're getting these things that, that pop up you know, in the maker community because people have their own itches that they want to scratch, yeah. and then suddenly these things also become available to everybody else that, you know, to use that may not be explicitly what the in- initial purpose was, but because the code is open source, mm-hmm. you can download it, modify it, flash the firmware again yourself and suddenly you have something that fits your use case exactly right um that is and that's that's what's fantastic yeah this this convergence of all the technologies and all these different disparate kind of like you said the the just the people with an idea that you can make it real and if you're not able to take it anywhere there's a whole world of everybody else that potentially could or find a different use for it that I mean, all of these things have just come to be in the last decade. I like the yep. just, I mean, all of it, just the internet coming together, the, the size and, and density of computer technology that we have that allows these things. It's, it's a crazy time to be alive, really <laughs> in so many no, ways. No, it really is. So, um, with the, the actual project that, that spurred this whole kind of conversation, you you call it the carcade. It is basically a tabletop steering wheel, monitor, throttle control, all enclosed in a nice travel worthy package. What is the original inspiration for? What is it? Like explain, like <laughs> take us through the process, paint the picture. Sure. So, so I had a, a shelved, well, sort of like an on the shelf project that I was going to do, which was put, a Raspberry Pi inside one of the the kids' car driving games from the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, Tomy had one. There was a couple of different brands of them, but it was basically a steering wheel with uh, a sort of like a, a scrolling tube of road with a light inside it that right. you sort of navigated the car around. Um, <laughs> quote, unquote. And, yeah, quote, unquote. They're pretty and simple. <laughs> I, I really wanted to... to come to the the raspberry pi community with with that because i thought nobody's done it it's gonna be great Mm -hmm. lo and behold like in my in my twitter stream it pops up somebody uh had had already done it um follow him on twitter he's his name is uh circuit beard um he's got some fantastic projects too he's he's sort of going down the road of of taking these retro 80s things and putting a Raspberry Pi inside them and then mm-hmm. playing the classic games on, you know, the arcade emulators and stuff like that. Right. That, that sort of, that hit me. It's like, crap, <laughs> I was too slow. Somebody beat me to it. Right. What could I possibly do that would have a wow factor like that? Mm-hmm. Um, so suddenly I just, it just popped into my head. Can I make dirt rally run on an embedded dev board? I, I had a dev board, um, a minnow board. I managed to get SteamOS running on it, but it was just way too slow right. for for dirt game. And we're 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 talking like 
how many frames per minute was this thing doing? <laughs> oh, it ran, but it was like maybe six or seven frames a minute that ah, this geez. thing was rendering. Um, so that wasn't going to work. No. Uh, so after about, I think, two days of just Google searching, um, I, I came across this motherboard by Asus. Uh, it's the H110 uh, S2 motherboard. Mm-hmm. And it's small. Um, if you work in real measurement systems, it's about 140 millimeters squared. Um, oh my God. Don't ask me what that is in, in inches, but it is small. That's a, a notepad. Um, I, I mean, <laughs> this is, this is a, a bar napkin. <laughs> yeah, that is, it is a bar napkin. <laughs> that is exactly the size of it. Um, but I didn't, you know, I didn't want to spend too much money. The motherboard was reasonably priced. Mm-hmm. Um, it will take all the way up to an i7, a 65 watt i7, which is crazy. Oh my god! Um, but I didn't want to spend that much money on this project, so right. I got the the <laughs> the smallest CPU I could get to put in it. Well, it's, uh, that's with my fingers crossed. The, the G4500. That's the like the. I mean, it's it is. It's the final last gasp of the the Pentiums, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or the, the G forty five hundred is dual core three point five gigahertz. I was like, it's insane. Eh, if this works, great. <laughs> if this doesn't, eh, yeah. whatever. Okay, well, because yeah, it's like a fifty dollars processor. Surprisingly, right? surprisingly, I installed SteamOS and I ran Dirt Rally, and it loaded. I mean, it, it took a little while to load. Mm-hmm. The the speed from the M dot two drive isn't uh, the fastest, to be honest. Yeah. But it ran and it, and it and it averaged it like with settings on low about eighty four frames a second. Oh my god! And I was completely blown away. By right, that's <laughs> insane. And I mean, because that's one of the things. Um, does that processor and motherboard come with the onboard graphics then too? Is that why it's able to run? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the the CPU has the the graphics core. Okay. Um. It, it, it happened to have a graphics core that was supported by Dirt Rally. Ah. So, um, man. yeah. Again, like, like that perfect convergence up. of stuff, because that, that was not common at all up until just recently, yeah. from what I know. Yeah. Um, it didn't work out of the gate with SteamOS. Uh-huh. I had to make some configuration changes for the boot up and the, the Windows server well, to and, make it work correctly. And, and that's where your real world experience really comes in handy. <laughs> Yeah, I have no problems debugging Linux at all. Oh, that's great. So where did you yeah. go from there? What's, I mean, like you said, already in low settings, running 80 frames, what was kind of the next step then? You you got your proof of concept. Um, the next one was, can I make my own input controllers? Oh. Uh, so I ordered the, the Pimeroni Picade PCB. I mm-hmm. uh, got a couple of poten- uh, potentiometers and, and sort of started playing like, Will this work? <laughs> and surprisingly, it did. Um, yeah, it was all, it was crazy. And and there's videos of my first sort of testing of it on on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and it worked. And then it was like, okay, let's just do this, right? Um, and and I started designing the enclosure for it. Now that's a whole another thing too that you recently bought into the world of 3d printing with no real idea of what you're going to do with it. But finally with this inspiration. Yeah. So 
I have another project um, that that was pretty popular last September that I, I launched it, and it was a, a Raspberry Pi internet-enabled walkie-talkie for the kids. Aha! Um, that was my first sort of endeavor into 3D printing with designing from scratch. You know, and and sort of the biggest limitation with 3D printers is you have a limited size that you can print. Mm-hmm. So really, you need to design around the limitations of the 3D printer. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what I did with uh, my my TalkiePie project, um, which is the uh, walkie-talkie. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot about the tools. I use Autodesk uh, Fusion 360. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I learned a lot about the whole sort of product life cycle thing. You know, you have an idea you do some designing around it, you write some code, you put it together, and then you sort of write about it, put right. it online and see who else is yeah. interested in it. And and that's, what, again, sort of what I did with, with this project is, can I do it, explain sort of my story, start designing? You know, I, it had to be something that was 3D printable. So, you know, the size of the motherboard was critical. Mm-hmm. You know, if I couldn't find a motherboard small enough, I wouldn't have been out of 3D printing enclosure around it. Right. Um, and then it was just a matter of design as I go. As pieces would come in from Amazon or eBay, I would then be able to sort of focus on designing that next piece for the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it all came together. And I finished it out last week um, with the design of the back panel. Right. And sort of... Right, the last few pieces, I, I sort of concluded my inspiration for the project, uh, which is the the um, Subaru WRX um, rally car, the five five five. Yeah, because you went with the like. There's the big hood scoop on top. There's the the grill and kind of like front end inspirations in the design of the case that you got. Yep, and and and, and again, it's sort of like if you can. Give something that people can recognize and, and, you know, people, uh, I've been completely blown away by how many people are interested in this right? project. <laughs> you know, I, I've had, I had requests from a couple of, uh, you know, big social media out, outlets to, you know, publish, republish the videos of some of my project. Awesome. And I've had millions of views. Yeah. It's, the, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> you definitely struck a nerve um, with this one. Yeah. And and that's sort of that's really been a big driving force to to do this rebuild this um, as they call them hero props. You know, right. this it's the version of the thing that's got all of the polish on it that you mm-hmm. can look at close up and be like, "Wow, that looks really nice." Right, and it works. Um, so that's what I'm doing right now. Is you know, I have the prototype which is done, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what I do all of the sort of software development and tweaking and making sure that the interface works correctly for right and. I'm concurrently printing and, and post-processing this other version of the case that'll eventually get all of the guts put in once I've finished it. Mm-hmm. And this is a first sort of like fit and finished post-processing project that I've had with 3D printing and sort of I'm learning a lot about, you know, how primer is soaked into this type of plastic that I'm printing with and, oh, yeah. you know, the issues with that and how to get a good, you know, get good seams and things like that. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's coming together nicely. It it's, is. it's really, again, it's, I'm doing it because it's a learning experience. Right. And I, you know, I'm hoping that the next project is going to be just a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause this is all things and, and experience that you'll be able to apply to the next things and everything from now on, which is going to be great. 
Yeah. And I mean, already yeah. it, it does. It, it looks so close to what a finished product would be. I mean, it's, it's almost off the shelf. It's <laughs> aside from just like the, the typical marks of 3d printing. I mean, it is, it's, it's as fleshed out and legitimate as it could possibly be. It's, it's crazy to think that this is just over the, the course of a couple of weeks, right? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's so much fun. Uh, um, so with the design, I saw that you went with a touchscreen for the, the actual interface too, to try to get through loading in because with most of it, you're going to need a keyboard and mouse most likely. So what, what are some of the workarounds that you've right. come up with? <laughs> yeah. So that's sort of the biggest thing. The project wouldn't work if you couldn't just plug it in and use it. Right. You know, there's no point having a, a something like this, like little arcade unit that you also have to plug a keyboard into. It's mm -hmm. sort of a little bit, you know, it's self-defeating. Yeah. So uh, I've spent a lot of time trying to get the the combination of the physical buttons and a touch screen to work for this sort of situation. Mm -hmm. um, for the most part, the the physical buttons were working um, along with. Uh, touching this, the sort of elements through the loading flow. Um, but I had to really work on uh, implementing mouse clicks, something that apparently just didn't work right. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was, a, <laughs> that was probably a good four or five days worth of sort oh, of just no. trying to figure out how to make this work. Yeah. And I ended up writing some custom software that, that pretended to be a mouse so okay. that it would listen for touchscreen events and fire off the mouse click. Oh boy. And, that that yeah that solved it. So once I had that working, the entire flow from powering on the device through, you know, loading uh, Dirt Rally mm -hmm. and going in and selecting all of the options in Dirt Rally for your race, being able to to get it to the point where everything just worked on it. I mean that that's huge. Right. Because once I'm done with the post processing of, of this enclosure. It'll be a done project. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the, the next few things that I may decide to tackle is I really want to implement a force feedback steering wheel. Like, Which, can oh. I do it and put it in there? That's so great. That, <laughs> I'm that, is, try. that is massively ambitious. <laughs> but yes. I'm, I'm right there yeah, with you, man. That would be excellent. Like, oh. <laughs> the little tiny little force feedback wheel on... <laughs> Ah, this thing, because that's the thing, like to, to truly appreciate it, you do have to see it. And with the videos and everything Dan's got out there, it's, it's awesome. Like just to see it in action and to, to see how it works, how it all came together. I mean, the, the process it is, it's just a movie that writes itself. It's, it's lovely, <laughs> man. So, um, from there, so you're still going to do like your final finishing and everything. And then. I mean, yeah, at some point the force feedback potentially, but what else do you see coming from this? What, what kind of other inspirations do you have now from working on this thing and kind of going through the paces, like you said, of learning how to design and, and print and finish all of the 3d components and, and I mean, with the programming and stuff, you were familiar enough, but I mean, yeah, what, what, what other kind of sparks have this, has this ignited for you? Well, um, you know, I've I've always had the idea of of integrating things like LED rev lights, uh, mm. shifter display, and stuff like that. And that's a lot of messages that I'm I'm getting on Twitter have been sort of like, it'd be cool if you did this too. And 
that's sort of that that's definitely in the back of my mind um because this runs linux mm-hmm. with steam os um i can interface and and have all of the controllers for leds and all of that all just run locally on on the device as well so i can yeah. very easily integrate that stuff and and push out the the source code oh, and it. sort of the guides for how other people can do that too yeah um, and again, the the big thing for this is, you know, this project. Once when I'm done, I'm going to write an ex- extensive blog post about it. I'm going to publish all of the 3D files for it, and publish all of the source code for everything that's you know custom on it, the firmware for the controllers, um, and sort of a big guide of how to go about doing it yourself if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, and and that's sort of the thing. And there's going to be a lot of sort of extending that can happen with this. And just once something out there, once something's out there that people can read in, in a way that's presented sort of step by step, it becomes less um, sort of less out of people's reach. Right. You know, people will be more willing to attempt to do something like mm-hmm. this. If it's presented in a way that's clear and easy to follow. Um, well, and it'll, I mean, it'll definitely inspire like other extensions of this, like you were saying too. I mean, people could take this in a million different exactly. directions now. Yeah. Like if people want to do a flight sim, oh God. Uh, you know, or, or, you know, I'm probably going to do an F1 variant, you know, Codemasters has uh F1, I think 2016 available okay. on Steam OS. So maybe I'll do an F1 version of this. There we go. Line. <laughs> Crazy. But yeah, you know, there's, there's, there's a couple of new retro game projects too, that are coming out. Um, you know, like this sort of inspiration from the original Ridge Racer series. Ooh. Um, or virtual racing um, on the, I think it was initially on the 32 X, the Sega 32 X. And so that'd be really cool to do um, on this as well. And again, it's, it's all, you know, all all of the, the, the objects for 3d printing, this will be open source and people can take them and they can modify them to, to how they want, you know, if they want to customize it, they can. Yeah. Well, and like you said with that, that, that made me think, I mean, it's it's kind of taken this back a step to where you could just run it with a, a Raspberry um, and just make it basically like a racing cabinet where you could have emulators and ROMs mm-hmm. of all the best like arcade racing games and console racing games. And yeah, just here's this thing with like 30, 40 games on it ready to go. And it's it's great. I mean, talk about a party, party favor, right? <laughs> totally, totally. And, oh. and again, so... The, the biggest sort of caveat to this project is the cost of the components. Right. You know, with a, it's a full size, you know, it's a PC, right? You've got the, the cost of a motherboard, CPU, RAM and storage, mm-hmm. you know, that it's, it's not a raspberry Pi level $30 no. computer. It's, nope. you know, it's $250 <laughs> worth mm-hmm. of components and a $50 screen. Right. So, you know, you're at 300 bucks. Yeah. That's sort of like, <laughs> makes it out of the reach of a lot of people for a, a small project, mm-hmm. but there's absolutely nothing stopping you from mounting a raspberry Pi in this instead of, um, right. instead of a desk, you know, an Intel PC. Yeah. Cause that's, that's totally where my mind goes with it too, is you kind of, like we talked about, you stretch this out, make it a little bit taller and it's an arcade cabinet, like easily and just mm-hmm. f- fit and form, add a couple 
joysticks and button layouts. And man, you could have a side-by-side arcade cabinet that's like a foot tall <laughs> and it would be well, a- actually, adorable. The, the, that's already out there. I mean, right? the, the controller board in this comes from um, a Picade and the oh, Picade right. is a Pimeroni project. And it is, it is a mini little arcade cabinet oh. explicitly for that purpose built around a Raspberry Pi. It's so great. Um, Again, yeah. what a, what a time. <laughs> Cause I, I finally, like I said, I, I had, I don't even know what it was. I think it was the, the NES mini when that came out, I saw that people had like already hacked it and were loading ROMs, side loading everything. But then as I looked around a little further, it's like, oh, holy crap. The, the raspberry Pis, like, yes, obviously like this, that's all that stupid thing is, is like whatever their version of a raspberry Pi, a little cheap board and some Ram and everything's just built in, ready to go. And that's what I ended up getting was somebody had put together their own kind of custom Raspberry Pi package and me being lazy, I spent like 80 bucks and got that thing. But I mean, it's everything that NES and SNES mini want to be and claim to be, but I can also play anything up to like Nintendo 64 games on it. Like, ah, it's, it's glorious. I'm so surprised. Yeah. And just to think that again, this is in just a handful of years. I mean, even the pie itself hasn't been out for what more than five years. And we're up to like version three Mm -hmm. and yeah, it, it kicks the crap out of anything to date. I mean, what, what would even be a comparable full scale PC to what the pie three can do at this point? Yeah, that's a, that's a hard question because there's, there are limitations. Yeah. Yeah, the 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 extensibility of PCs is sort of it's it's a it's a loaded question. Yeah, true. But I mean, yeah, you know, a, a Pi three can do I think up to one point three gigahertz. I think, mm-hmm. and it's got it's got a gig of RAM on it. So you got to think maybe a computer from six or seven years ago. Which man, <laughs> top of the line, six or seven right. years ago, man. Ah. <laughs> That, that is, it's still crazy to me that, I mean, just obviously, yeah, like your smartphone does a million times more things, but (laughs) at the same time, like for something that's 30 bucks and is so flexible and so expandable and modular as well. Cause I've seen other projects where I was watching a, a YouTube clip earlier of a guy that had built a couple mini NES, um, and SNES kind of raspberry pi consoles and he just like you did went completely all out as far as making tiny little super nintendo cartridges that have i can't remember what he used inside them but basically like rfid so when they're plugged into the console the console will automatically load up that specific rom and just jump straight into it like tiny little microcontrollers for him too everything and it's 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 mind blowing to see just like your thing, like what people are capable of when you get the inspiration. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Oh, so another major project that I saw on your blog and I'll put links and I'll put this at the, the top of this too, for everything, your Twitter, your blog, and we'll run through it again at the end. So everybody knows where to find it. But, um, your racing rig for sim racing, something again, we have in common. I had built my own a couple of years ago, not to the extent of yours, because yours is like 
the pinnacle edition of everything I wish I could do, like money being no object and <laughs> time not being an issue as well. But oh my God, walk us through that one. Uh, so it started with uh, it started with me working on a project for a friend who was willing to buy me some gaming hardware, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Huh, what could I do?" And it it's, it actually started with Forza on on the the Xbox oh, 360. Man, okay, <laughs> um, and and. Uh, you know, playing it on a big screen, I've, I've got a movie room. So mm-hmm. it was sort of like playing Forza on, on the Xbox with a steering wheel. I'm like, okay, you can get me a, a racing seat. And we, I started with uh, Fnatic used to, they no longer have um, a sort of like a small aluminum tube frame racing seat. Mm. Um, I still have it. Um, and I started with that. And yeah. I had the Xbox 360 steering wheel, um, and you know it was a pretty garbage. Yeah, uh, and went from there, and I kept sort of working for him on the side, and got a you know a fanatic club sport uh, steering wheel mm-hmm. and a set of pedals, and then I sort of got hooked, and I went a little bit overboard. Yeah, and <laughs> that'll happen. <laughs> so, so I started. But trading stuff on eBay so that I could have the 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 income to uh, sort of fund my newfound racing simulation addiction, mm-hmm. um, which very quickly moved over to PC gaming. Right. And um, yeah, and the, the then I was like, well, okay, I've got a really cool force feedback steering wheel, pedals, and shifter. Now I kind of need motion. Yeah. And so, of course. Um, it's a company called Sim Experience. Uh, mm-hmm. They have DIY kits as well as full motion platforms you can just sort of buy right. and assemble. Um, their rigs were very large. Right. Um, so that was sort of what stemmed, uh, okay, I need to build my own so that it's small. Yeah, something that doesn't take um, up a and whole yeah, garage. I just got, <laughs> yeah, I got carried away. Right. <laughs> uh, but I love it. I and mean, another one that once you see the pictures of it, I mean, immediately you'll see why this is so exciting. But this is something that like in-home motion simulation like uh, not even fathomable within the last few years either this is the equivalent of something i talked about in the previous episode these racing rigs that um the actual racing teams use like ferrari when they're training their drivers this is approaching that at home like yeah not not to the complete extent because theirs cost millions of dollars i'm sure but definitely like like dan's setup he's got a a short throw projector set up. So he's got something like 130 inches of, of screen in front of him. And then yeah, full motion control. He's got the, the butt kicker rumble attachments on there. I'm sure surround sound and I just everything, everything you can imagine or want in, and in the home, which is just bananas. And (laughs) I, yeah, I, this is the, it was, the second version, the first version I pieced out of parts of extrusion that I already had. Okay. Um, and the kids were really starting to show interest, but it wasn't mm-hmm. really that flexible. The second time around, I spent the time to make it so that, you know, you can move the steering wheel closer and, you know, steering wheel right. and pedals closer or further away, depending on how tall you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and the steering wheel up and down as well so that, 
you know, you can see over the steering wheel if you're short. Right. Well, and that's, that's a big thing with that, that setup too. What you've gone with was this, um, what was it? The 8020 incorporated that makes a, a modular kind of, I mean, basically like a, a big kid's erector set where you can buy the separate yep. components, the tube aluminum and everything that kind of fits together and customize it to your heart's content. I mean, it's, it's insane to, to see just what you were able to do just in this, this one application. And I know you've probably used it for other stuff too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and what's sort of great is if you can plan ahead, you don't even need a, a, a saw of your own. They, you can order everything cut to length oh, and they'll wow. just deliver it to you. They'll deliver it to you, with, you know, sub millimeter precision yeah. on all of the, the pieces. Wow. Well, and again, that, there's your, I, your 3D that's how software I did it. and yeah, design it in CAD, put it all together and yeah, just send them the measurements. But it is, it's, it's very inspirational to see. And with mine, I just did it caveman style. I, my buddy had, well, actually my first racing seat, I cannibalized an exercise bike, flipped parts of it upside down, bolted them together threw an office chair on it and used that for a good year or two before I could like finalize a plan. And then, yeah, I had a buddy with a, a metal shop that I was able to get some tube steel and get in there cut everything, weld everything together. And I made like a, a freestanding pedestal for the monitor and the wheel. And then the pedals are on the backside of that, but then the seat and everything is separate. So everything's kind of adjustable just in the fact that it's not attached, but your setup right. is absolutely my next step. Like, like you said, yours evolved through the years as well. And that's, that's exactly what I'm planning on. And someday I hope to get to this point. My God. <laughs> Cause it is, it's well, 80, 20, isn't that expensive. I mean, okay, good shipping. I think is probably the, the biggest yeah. expense. Um, but if you're close to Ohio, eh, shipping rates aren't not too bad. Quite. I'm, I'm about as far to the West coast as you could get without dipping a toe in the water. So <laughs> yeah, kind of hopes yep. there. So shipping's eh. going to be pretty expensive. Right. But man, yeah, hopefully they're not the only game in town and somebody else is doing something similar because yeah, that's, that's absolutely the way to go. If you're, if you're looking to build something, cause this is, I think you said you used it for, what else have you used it for? What other kind of projects or um, benches? Uh, or I've got, well, yeah, I, I started to the init, initial version. One of the motion rig was built out of 8020 that I had got to build a CNC. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. so repurposed uh I, I then yeah i then scrapped that and and went into different round and, and built i i built a chinese cnc um or use a chinese cnc kit um, uh -huh. to, to build the cnc that i used okay. to build all of the parts for this motion ring yeah got you man yeah because i seeing it and i sent it to my buddy that the one with the metal shop too because i mean it's drool worthy just knowing that something like that's out there and just thinking of, I mean, I, I could line my garage with all of this stuff. Like <laughs> I will have every tool <laughs> on its own custom little rack made out of this stuff because it's just, uh, it's like a, how do yeah, you. And so, yeah. So in terms of cost, mm -hmm. I priced to do this out of tube steel, but I was going to weld it. Oh my God. Yeah. And it was only about a, a three to 5% premium to go with extrusion over oh mild God. steel tube. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that was 
about the most expensive part of mine too was just the the shop time and the the cost of materials so that's that's good mm-hmm. and i mean yeah aluminum can be cheaper if it's mass produced and i'm sure these guys have their inroads so yeah it makes sense yeah and and they they own everything too they're not buying it from anyone so yeah, so the, the cost of the project uh, of building the frame, uh, including getting the, the Corbo seat and sort of all of the finishing parts. This is where I'm going to start sweating. Was a little under a little under a thousand bucks. Yeah, it's not. I mean, for for what you get out of it, it's obvious that yes. Okay. But it, yeah, it's not outrageous at all by any means. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some experience has a, a stage four kit. Mm-hmm. It's about $4,500, oh, I think, um, including the actuators. That's, that's the big um, one. The <laughs> actuators that I got, I think that it was about $1,800 mm-hmm. for the three degrees of freedom actuators. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's not cheap by any stretch of the no. imagination. Yeah, this, but, this is not uh, going the 80-20 route. Uh, it still worked out cheaper than buying a, a full sim experience rig. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's the angle too. Cause I mean, we're even where I'm recording right now, I built the booth myself because yeah, you could get a pre-built insulated audio recording booth for two to $3,000, or I built this one for less than five, like just out of right. lumber and insulation. <laughs> like, come on guys. <laughs> so where there's a will, there's a way you could definitely figure out a, an, another route is as long as you're willing to try. <laughs> man yep. and that's exactly. again that's that's the common theme with with all of this stuff too is just that that if it's not out there build it for yourself and there's plenty of routes you can take you can pay top price premium to have it just pre-made or meet somewhere in the middle or just go like i said complete caveman and do it yourself make it work <laughs> don't be scared yeah oh yeah there's a lot of good there's a lot of good um, just basic seats, racing seats that are made out of PVC pipe. Right. And yeah, it works. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a couple of guys, man, there was one that was really nice that he basically had a, a closet space, like a booth, like mine that I've built and had a full kind of like tabletop and wraparound seat and spot for the PC with cooling for that to exhaust out of the room and like a full enclosed cockpit basically just made out of wood and he went all out with like i mean he was a woodworker so like nice rounded beveled corners on everything everything was like laminated or coated with epoxy or something that yeah it just looked beautiful and then there's the other guys out there that do something similar but just rip the whole dash and interior out of a real car (laughs) ah the sky's the limit and i love it this it's a crazy thing uh, and I mean, yeah, just, I guess this is the, the theme of this month for me is just sim racing because with this, I, this, this week I did, um, kind of like a review in progress of project cars Two Cause I've been playing that on PC before there's been like the, the dirt four and dirt rally episodes, but also, yeah, just sim racing in general is just huge for me and yourself obviously, but it is. It's it's highly addictive and dangerous if if you're if you have any kind of concerns about a budget, my God. And then like, yeah, you're you got um you took the dive into VR as well, right? With that? Yep. 
Yeah, I got the Oculus Rift, and uh, there's no turning back. No. I mean, the rig I started, um, it's what they sort of air quotes here, super FOV. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 136-inch projected screen that you're two and a half, three feet away from. Right. And it's very immersive. Like, if you're you're playing um, and you have the, the camera view set correctly, you mm-hmm. very quickly forget that you're looking at a flat surface and it very, very much feels like you're inside the car. Right. Um, but with the step to Oculus Rift, I mean, it's so immersive. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's, there's the, the caveat that you need the most powerful graphics card you could right. possibly put into yeah, your system. Exactly. That's the caveat. But once, but if you can do that, I mean, it, there's no, there's no comparison. Even right. you know, even with my super FOV projection set up, there's no comparison. No, because uh, that's VR. when um, I've had the the PSVR. I haven't been able to to make the leap to the PC side, and even the PSVR, I'm I'm about to ditch because the games that I bought it for ended up dropping support or making very limited support. So early on, there was. Um, what is it? Drive Club was going to be mm-hmm. like a PSVR launch title. And it came and it, the experience of it, the immersion of it was fantastic. And yeah, like completely set the hook. The execution wasn't great because the graphics took such a hit that it didn't, yeah. it didn't look, I, it's hard to describe because it wasn't what you would expect for the downgrade that they did. It's like, they made everything excessively blurry as opposed to just like lowering resolution to a point where I mean, it's like this weird thing of just melted blobs instead of blocky anything. And yeah, you're yeah, just, I, I have a PSVR as well. Okay, and so that, yeah, you've seen it, but then comes yeah. dirt rally that patched it in. They patched in their VR support and that is fantastic. Like that, that was, Mm -hmm. that was it. That's the pinnacle of VR for me so far, not having played anything up to date on like a, a Vive or a, a Oculus. So with dirt rally, like I was super excited, super stoked. This is everything I'd wanted. Dirt four comes out, no support. Like, Oh God. Oh God. No GT sport starts talking. So that, yeah, I'm really looking forward forward to GT's launch. Um, it's, it's going to blow though, because they're, They've stripped it down to it's only going to be a specific mode called like VR tour or something. And it really sounds like it's going to be you head to head with one AI car on certain tracks. And that's it. That's as far as it will go. Really, really disappointing. Yes. And that's, that's where, I mean, I checked out after that, once I heard that that was getting stripped down. But then Project Cars yeah, one of the, said they were One of the things that it. really blew me away was that the PS4 Pro does basically nothing. There, right. There's a couple of very minor optimizations and enhancements that you get for PSVR. Yeah. But there's no reason to buy a Pro for PSVR because it doesn't really change anything. And that was surprising to me given how much more powerful the Pro is over the original right. PS4. Well, and they're just they're trying to, to keep from splintering anybody i mean just saying that like you can't play this game on ps4 unless you have the pro they they don't want to get to that point where anybody feels like that's a division but also the only people that like you were saying that the only people that really see a benefit of it 
are people with a high dollar 4K TV with HDR. That's the only way you're going to get anything out of it. Because performance wise, mm-hmm. they have not allowed it to do enough. And only a handful of games take advantage of any of the additional frame rate. Most of them spend it all just on getting to 4K consistently. And that's it. That's where we end up. And ugh, it's abhorrent. It's the worst. Like, just such, just, I don't know, like three quarter baked ideas and execution with everything because it's it's not half-assed it's three-quarter assed because they're, they're almost right. there and that's kind of the thing where they're saying scorpio once it hits the streets is really gonna hand it to sony but we'll see because they've got the same kind of concerns with their releases and splintering their audience as well so i it's weird i it's this ps4 and a half xbox one and a half that just just nip it in the bud and get the next consoles going already. If you're if you're gonna do this, because you're not servicing anybody, you're just digging in pockets and I don't know. It's it's a hard sell. Yeah. It it is a hard sell, but I mean it's really hard because it comes for the console market it really comes down to price. Yeah. And the this you know, at least in, in the PC space, you have the ability to swap out your graphics card. Right. So um with the console space, you know, they have to make it a, a you know, cost effective. They need a good five or six year mm-hmm. production run for a right. unit. And then they need to be at that two to $300 price range for anybody because nobody's going to buy anything that's, that's more than that. And, and sort of, that's what was surprising about the PSVR launch. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, the hardware just wasn't there for that price point yet. No, you know, and at launch the PSVR itself was more expensive than the console was. Yeah, right. Um, so you know, it's, it it was surprising that they, you know, we're we're well, almost a year and a half, two years in, mm-hmm. and what well, we've got one and a half racing games. Right. Well, and that's the thing. There's dozens of games and experiences that are really good, really fun. Like they, they take advantage of everything the VR can do, but they are not mainstream big ticket games. Like they are just that sideline indie stuff, like experiences again in, in quotes. So there's content out there, but not the content I bought it for. Like I said, I, I wanted the big games. I was just imagining playing Grand Theft Auto in VR, like for God's sake, getting into a world and just going. So yeah, we're there on PC. Like you said, if you've got a system capable and you're running project cars on moderately high settings, you're there like that. That's it. This is what VR was always touted to be. This is the dream realized. Like it's, and especially when you have your motion simulator too. Oh my God. Who yeah, so that was actually the fun thing. The only game that doesn't make me want to puke is Assetto Corsa. It is the only thing that where the motion simulation is very accurate. Oh man, where the, the 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 feedback through the steering wheel is accurate. Yeah, and where the VR is lightning fast. Got you. You know, on my rig, I can. You know, it never drops below ninety frames a second. Maybe, yeah, which is you know, Oculus Rift CV one frame rate. Yeah. And all of the settings are cranked up, but, um, dirt rally, uh-huh. <laughs> the, 
Playing Dirt Rally on my motion rig with the the big screen, yeah, I loved it. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got a lot of videos up on YouTube uh, of, of me doing it. But the thing is, it's a workout. It is yeah. like uh, when you're done, because I, I drive all of the force feedback at what feels like it would be driving on a dirt road. It's a workout, and you know, uh, I end up with a sore back or whatever afterwards. Right. And yeah, you feel like you actually great. drove a it's car. Like the real thing. <laughs> yeah. But dirt rally VR on the motion rig too is much. nauseating. Yeah, it is too much. Um, That's a yeah, bummer. it's because playing it on <laughs> PSVR was fantastic, but yeah, without the motion, because oh god. But I, I yeah, can imagine it was, it was it's, it's throwing way too uh, much stuff the, at you. There was a lot of FPS dips. Oh, um, and 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 there as well. Yeah. Even with turning down the settings to medium, it I don't think it always got to ninety frames a second. Oh, so geez. that was sort of the downside. Is you know it runs perfectly fine at sixty frames per second lock that you know yeah. um, VSync that I run with my projector. Mm-hmm. But it's all over the place with the VR. Yeah. And that was sort of, I think that's what contributes that's, to the motion sickness. Right. Yeah. That is the biggest thing. Cause yeah, anything under 90 and your brain starts freaking out. That was the yeah. one thing that. And um, that was the issue that I had with Project Cars 1. Um, oh. I just, the it was just nauseating in yeah. VR with motion for me. Yeah. Um, I have yet to try uh, P Cars 2. So okay. yeah. Um, maybe it's something. I don't know how hard they worked on it and I haven't seen or heard anybody talking about that aspect of it yet. The only thing I did here was the CEO was doing a live stream with somebody drunk off his ass and was just spilling his guts left and right. But he said with the, with the PSVR, they could do 90 frames on the PS4 pro on paper, but it's not in the cards. So not going to see it. That was basically where he left right. it off. But yeah, on the PC side, sky's the limit. If I mean, if you, I don't know, can you do um, SLI with the 1080s? <laughs> Would that you potentially can, get you but there? they're not supported in VR for anything. Ah, geez. that's the issue. Okay. Yeah. Well, then, yeah. So there, there really, for VR there. performance, you really are limited to one graphics card. So the, the, the game developers really have to step in then and get things optimized to actually make it work. It sounds like it's not something you're going to be able to do with hardware and just brute force. Yeah. And unfortunately, I mean, all of the crypto miners right now are decimating <sighs> graphics card availability. Yeah, kill me. Uh, like with my computer, like I, I just did my build um, within the last month or two. And yeah, I had to go with the 1050 TI because that was the only card under $500. So... <laughs> And, yeah. and that was like, I mean, yeah, 130, I, it's a, it's steep jump between the, the levels now, which is ugh, infuriating. I initially did my rebuild. I, I put a 1080 in and I got it right shortly after launch of the 1080. Ah, well, sort of halfway crazy. between the launch of the 1080 and the, the refresh, I should say. So not mm. right, right after the launch, cause it, there was no availability. Oh, um, but then I managed to. I saw uh, I saw a deal on Newegg for the 1080 Ti, mm-hmm. and it was basically retail price. I'm like, oh, I've got, got to get that. Right. And so I, I purchased that, and I managed to sell. You know, I I up to a 1080 Ti, and I managed to sell my 1080 on eBay for thirty dollars less than what I bought it for. <laughs> That's perfect. Oh man, 
<laughs> I love that. That's I've done that with hardware in the past. Like when I when the PSP was a thing, like I sold two or three of those to buy the new ones when they came out. And yeah, never went outside of like fifty dollars to upgrade. I love it. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the greatest things about being a nerd. <laughs> Yeah, but I saw a really, I saw a really big jump just going from the 1080 to the 1080 Ti in VR. Oh wow! So that's okay. sort of, that's the sort of thing that you got to deal with. I mean, you yeah. got to, you got to stick it out to the latest and to to have an experience that doesn't make you want to lose your lunch. Right. That's it well, costs a lot of money. And I'm the one that's I'm exceedingly willing to take the hit on graphics. I mean, that was part of my my build. Like I went budget ish. Like I only spent. 580 total on all the components internal stuff only but to to get to a point where i could at least have 1080p 60 frames regardless of the quality like i don't care I, i'll play it yep. on low and everything yep. i and same thing with vr if like i've like i said i i spent dozens of hours playing um drive club and dirt rally and those are on god knows what kind of comparable pc settings like low to medium best and you know it's mm -hmm. fine with me i loved every minute of it so <laughs> even living in that blurry beer goggle world the drive club was like i still enjoyed the shit out of it so yeah i'm i'm sold like i will do whatever it takes but it's just just that little bit out of reach right now yeah yeah this is expensive yes <laughs> And it's only going to get more expensive. That's the problem. Like, oh. you know, we just saw the, the Kickstarter for that 8K oh my God. Uh, VR headset. You know, once once Oculus or, or HTC decide to, to step up to that, then yeah. suddenly, okay, now our GTX 1080 Ti's are going to be barely able to push right. 90 frames a second. No. Well, I saw, I don't, I don't know anything about it. I, it could be fake for all I know, but I saw a thumbnail for a YouTube clip of like, the red red rocket video card made by the the camera manufacturers the guys yeah that that's just for ones. video encoding though okay that's not but, I mean, for 3D. yeah that i went through that the last tower i built i got a code or a card that was leaned more towards video production than actual like graphics game graphics so little familiar with that because I remember firing up like Witcher 2 and getting two frames a second. Like, oh, that's that's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, aside from all of that, anything else, like plans for, for future projects? Like, do you intend to try to sell any of this stuff down the road or is it just hobby-based? And then what's kind of your holy grail project? What What's the number one thing that you would love to do? Holy Grail! I don't know if I have any real Holy Grail projects. Mm -hmm. I've sort of tackled everything, but uh, you know, uh, we have a, a couple of um, quote-unquote classic cars that my wife inherited when her father passed away. Oh, um, there's in in a backyard in Arizona. Uh, we need to bring them out, mm -hmm. but um, we've got a, a 1969 BMW 2002. Ooh. And a 1957 Chevy pickup truck. Perfect. Uh, and yeah, we're going to work on those, restore them, uh, modify them. Uh, we'll probably keep the, the Chevy pickup, but sell the 2002. It depends on how attached I get to the 2002. Right. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. Cause that, that's definitely <laughs> the, the driver's car of the two. Yeah. But man, 
Yeah, we've, we've, I've sort of stayed away from cars because cars are bigger money pits than sim racing, believe it or not. Bigger money pits with much lower returns because like, yes. the, the satisfaction you get does not equal the money that you dump into it. <laughs> and then when it comes time to sell and you see the, the red on the ledger, like, oh boy. Yep. Yeah, that's my... One of my holy grails is... I've told my wife when I make my first million dollars, I'm going to build up like a, a third gen Camaro that was one of my first cars, but that's, that's as far as I've gotten. I mean, <laughs> besides, you know, the, Very the typical cool. dream house stuff and yeah, building a, a motion simulator rig like yours, like <laughs> pretty low level at this point. I'm, I'm humble with my aspirations. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm lucky. My wife is a, is a, an, a car head too. So Ooh, yeah, we both have very expensive, my dream car is a 1969 Jaguar E-Type convertible. Oh, so nice. And her dream car is, I think it's either a 67 or maybe a 69 Pontiac Trans Am. There you go. And the issue is, is both of our cars, you you know, on, on the market restored are worth well over a hundred thousand yeah, no. dollars. <laughs> what you, what you do is you, you know, meet in the middle and you just get an F type like right now. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just skip exactly. it all. Like maybe you'll change your mind once you get into like a 2016 F type. Like, yeah. What, what were we thinking? <laughs> but no, there's, there's definitely a difference between modern performance and classic stuff, but I'm, I'm definitely cut from the cloth of the, the retro mod kind of direction yep. where I love the idea of having a classic styled car with modern accoutrements and handling and power and everything. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would, ideally I'd like to spend maybe 50 grand to get a beater E-type mm -hmm. convertible and put a Dodge Viper drivetrain. Oh under my it. God. And, uh, Wrap myself around a power I was pole say, somewhere, probably. Yeah. <laughs> what tree are you going to wrap around down what hill? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that's going to be that would be my dream car right there. Yeah, the, there you go. It's completely insane, though. Yeah. So, well, there's your holy happen. grail now. Now we know. Yeah. <laughs> now, with any of the, the other hobby stuff, do you have any intention? Like, if you land on something that's kind of easy to produce and finds kind of a niche, are you thinking like, potentially selling them or do you just like play, paying it forward with the the maker community like you've done with this one yeah so this project it was this it's been on the back burner for many years um the idea is fully baked it's just gonna take me to start designing and and producing the parts mm -hmm. uh the reason why i built myself uh a tabletop cnc was so that i could mill aluminum parts for this oh, particular project nice um and it all started power wheels uh, i mod highly modified a jeep power wheels for my son when he was one oh. put big motors in it yeah and put rubber rubber wheels Ooh. and made it completely remote control so that he could sit in it and we could drive him around <laughs> That's um, so awesome. It also has the ability to control it from in the Jeep as well. Just with the toggle on a remote control, you can then control it from inside the Jeep. Oh my God. I, this, this, this sort of spawned the idea of 
power wheels and um, Razor has little uh, electric go-karts. Mm-hmm. These things are good for your kids for maybe one to three years. Right. And then they outgrow them and then you, you know, they're, they're useless. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're useless after a couple of years. So I wanted to create something that you could extend over time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I came up with this idea for the grow card. Ooh. And so with 8020 extrusion being as cheap as it is, uh, my my thought was to z- design the parts to build a modular go-kart for your kids that had different size motors, uh, you know, automation abilities, and you could literally just swap out the chassis rails and make your go-kart bigger. And so I've been working on this idea, sort of thinking about it. You know, electric longboards have really taken off, which has brought down the price of large brushless motors to ridiculously cheap. Okay. Um, There's an open source uh, brushless motor controller now Mm -hmm. that is extremely efficient and interfaceable and perfect for this. Yeah. Um, And as well as the Raspberry Pi, you know, if you can do basic automation, um, with the Raspberry Pi, do basic basic vision and obstacle avoidance. You know, my thought was to design a kit that would directly compete with the Razer um, go karts or Power Wheels in that sort of two ninety nine three ninety nine price point for a very you know to get you started. Yeah. But then have the ability to to buy larger motors, right. make it four wheel drive, mm-hmm. do steering automation, do you know. GPS integration, do whatever, like yeah. have it all as, as modular pieces that you could sort of just bolt together and sell as a kit. Right. Um, so I, I sent out an uh, sort of preliminary sort of testing the waters to 8020 Inc. to see if they would be able to mass produce any aluminum parts that I designed for this. And they're like, yep, totally. That's something we do. Oh, man. So it's sort of where I'm at. It's yeah. just at the, at the point where now I just need to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, so it's, it's sort of awesome. cool. And it's, yeah, again, you, you find all these different things that you want to do for your kids and sort of, you mention it to a few people and they're like, holy crap, that's a really good idea. Right. And yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's it is, you, you get these inspirations from life and my experience though is whatever I think of, I Google it and yeah, somebody's already doing it. So <laughs> you're, you're definitely on a, a different page being able to think of something that, yeah, you're ahead of the curve for sure. And it, it makes complete sense because that immediately like links in my mind to like the RC market where that's exactly how those are all set up. You buy an RC truck, but yeah, you can always throw different motors and transmissions and tires and frames and everything on those. So yeah, it makes perfect sense. And especially like you said, the grow cart, because it's not for a year or two, it's something that they could drive for 10 or more. And even then, I mean, depending on how far you scale it up, it could be something they still ride as an, as an adult. Like you look at, well, little I mean, Honda, like I want to be able to build it up so that I can drive it. Yeah. Exactly. So <laughs> no, that's it. Yeah. Oh, that sounds awesome. Well, congratulations so was... for having a grand idea. That's <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> well, uh, this is sort of, it came from, um, about a year and a half, two years ago, uh, I, I saw a post about uh, Tony Fedel, I think his name is pronounced. Mm-hmm. He, he sort of designed the original iPod, um, and he oh. he invested in this, this go-kart 
uh, company called Active, huh. A-C-T-E-V, and they were creating a smart cart. And I thought it was great. And initially, they were going to be targeting like five ninety nine as their price point, mm-hmm. which is a little bit, in my opinion, it was a little bit high. Um, but I was interested. Yeah. And then they came to market at a thousand dollars, and wow. I was like, "Womp womp!" Yeah, like, there was that. who is going to spend a thousand dollars for something that'll last their kid three years? Like, well, you, if you sense. slap an Apple logo on it, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's it's surprising. Like, still nobody has has really come up with something along the the, the lines of what I'm what I want to do. I mean, Razer is really the only one that's doing anything in this space right now. Right, um, and and I commend them fully because they're doing a fantastic job at it. Really, but again, it's yeah. Again, it's one of those things. It's I think my idea is a little bit more bold than um, than Razer. Yeah, you're so. definitely on a different track with that, and I think it is. I think that's fantastic. Cause that does, it makes perfect sense. Cause I mean, yeah, I, it's exactly what you said. You get something like this for your kid and within a year or two, it's too slow. It's not fun. It's they're too big for it, et cetera. So yeah, no, that's fantastic. Yep. Well, and then, and again, it's, it's, it's a, a learning process. You know, right. I think I now have enough skills to, to design the parts in, in fusion 360 now. So yeah. I can sort of get kicked off and and, and work on it. Another aspect of it too is you were talking about being able to set up like LED readouts and stuff for the, the microcade, the, the dirt arcade game we were talking about in the beginning, but transition that over. There's another component that can be added on at some point is if you want like a digital readout of like basically God, you could draw a circuit, like ride the cart through a circuit. It programs it into the GPS or whatever. And then now you can run lap times and it'll keep track of your best laps. And oh God. Yeah. It just runs Yeah. You can totally gamify it. Yeah. And that would be another really big selling point. Yeah. Gamified to like the Mario Kart extent. I mean, you got turbo pickups and turtle (laughs) shells, man. (laughs) Ah, That's fantastic. Again, congratulations for having that inspiration. That's that's epic, and all the best on that. Because, yeah, that's that's Thanks. an excellent track to get down. And you've got the the inroads with, like you said, with eighty twenty getting stuff. Once you've CNC'd it and designed it all up, yeah, man, sky's the limit. It's exciting. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to go to sleep after this. My God. Ah. <laughs> 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 uh, but I mean, with that, I mean, that's, I, I think I've taken up enough of your time and thank you again for being so generous to, to get on and talk about this stuff. And like I said, kindred spirits, and we just burned through over an hour, just BSing about all this great stuff that you're working on. So thank you again. Thanks. And, and again, oh, great. Like, from the world on, on behalf of everyone, thank you for sharing this stuff. And like I said, paying it forward with, with posting all the plans and everything like you're going to do like that's that's just planting the seeds for a million future things that so many people will be able to take advantage of and hopefully we'll see your name in lights and let me know when the grow cart <laughs> hits the market because i'll be first in line for me screw my kids if i ever have any like <laughs> this is for daddy i love it that's awesome but yeah. Cool. Well, thanks a lot. Yep. Thanks for coming by. And then let's see. So we've got at D Choate. So it's 
at D-C-H-O-T-E on Twitter. And then, let's see, where did I have your your blog? Uh, projectable.me. Easy to remember. I love it. Very good. Well, thank you again, sir. And we will be no in touch. Thanks. And I'm, I got you on Twitter, so I'm going to be watching. I'll be lurking. And whenever I see something exciting or whenever you want to share something, just let me know. We'll get in touch. Sounds good. Awesome. Okay. Thank you, yeah. sir.